This episode of SaaS Backwards is sponsored by Aptivio, an AI-powered revenue growth platform providing tailored intent signals for your product and not your product category, all for a quarter of the cost compared to other vendors. To discover the shortest path to closing more deals, visit aptivio.io. That's A-P-T-I-V dot I-O. Welcome to the SaaS Backwards Podcast, where we reverse engineer the success of fast-growing SaaS firms and explore strategies CMOs and CEOs are using to drive their businesses forward. Welcome everyone to SaaS Backwards, a podcast that helps SaaS CMOs and CEOs to accelerate growth and enhance profitability. Our guest today is Guy Mornier, co-founder and CEO of Aptivio, a SaaS that positions itself as the only end-to-end revenue growth AI engine. Hey Guy, welcome to the podcast. Hi Ken, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. And before we dig in, could you please tell our listeners just a little bit about yourself and your company? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, the company is a modern revenue AI SaaS startup based in New York City. Myself and my co-founder have been at it for the past 12 years throughout different companies. The most recent one was a fintech focused on KYC, Know Your Customer. And we've always been intrigued by listening and monitoring what clients are saying and doing on the internet to try and guesstimate what they're thinking. And finance is a particularly good place to start that because financial firms don't just sell a product, they buy risk as well. So in short, big data engineers fell in love with enterprise sales. And here we are with Aptivio. And our mission statement really is to democratize access to revenue AI, empower senior leaders responsible for growth with a more efficient growth, and also empower their team to be more effective at generating demand. Great. Let's dig right in. So in the prep session, we discussed that people are feeling a lot of pressure to generate leads, even within firms that have a pretty successful revenue generation function. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're seeing and how that's playing out? Yeah, it's a general market trend and shift that we've been seeing. You know, the ROI of traditional demand generation technique is just going down. So just as an example, you know, the amount of money you need to spend right, in digital marketing nearly doubles every year right, to keep the same results, right? So just one example, and it just speaks to, you know, the noise and the competitive landscape in the different categories our clients are in that is making it harder and harder to cut through the noise. And as a result, you know, traditional lead gen is really suffering from that. It's almost like Moore's law in reverse, right? That's exactly that. Yeah, yeah. And in fact, we have a really interesting, you know, takeaway from the Ascent conference. Maybe I could share. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, the Ascent conference is a premier kind of B2B SaaS conference here in New York. They also have the same conference in San Francisco and they really target go-to-market leaders in B2B SaaS, as I mentioned. And, you know, we went in 2019 and I remember asking everyone, hey, how, how is your demand gen going? And about two thirds of people would say, no, we're fine. We're good. You know, no need for any boost or anything. Fast forward in 22, 100% of go-to-market leaders, you know, would have issues with demand gen and look to grow more efficiently. 
even the ones that had good results in demand gen were under a lot of pressure from board, investors, CFOs to produce more leads at a lesser cost, lesser cost per lead. So the push to efficient growth is clearly here. I mean, I realize this is an anecdote, but this is really, you know, the result of talking to over 200 you know, go-to-market leaders in a conference. So that for us was really interesting. And along the same vein, you know, we then would ask, hey, have you heard of revenue AI as a way to boost efficient growth? Only one third had heard about it. And for the ones who had, they essentially, 90% of them would say they couldn't afford it. Meaning the value for the money, the complexity just didn't make sense to deploy some of the incumbent solutions that ex exist in this space. You know, so you're speaking about being able to identify prospects via intent data that's available, right? That's certainly a big part of this. So, so just to make sure I got it right, so about, was it a third of the participants knew about that possibility generally, or was it a vendor awareness? It was about that possibility. So, you know, things go by different terms, right? So we call the space revenue AI at large, but fundamentally it's what you describe. It's AI is about data. Right. We all know that. So it's buyer intent data, right? Is my client in, in a sell cycle, right? So understanding the timing and the account and ideally the buyer level, right? The person level. But it's also other go-to-market signals because we all know that when we sell, timing is everything. But once you pass the timing, then you need to make sure you have the right relationships, right? So relationship signals become a key part. And then risk, of course, right? Am I dealing with all the relevant stakeholders? Am I competing with a direct competitor? I need to be aware of these risk signals as well. So in general, Revenue AI encompasses, you know, buyer intent, relationship, and risk signals, with buyer intent being really the initial alert that you get about, you know, focusing on the right accounts. So in that conference, I think also you learned that people were seeking solutions to add to their efficiency in generating revenue, right? Absolutely. And so that was a big draw at the conference. I mean, obviously the big focus was go to market in general, but a strong, strong focus on efficient growth. And in fact, you know, we saw a lot of companies, right, in spite of, you know, the stagflation environment that we're in, really looking to invest in December to hit the ground running in 23 and doing that really to reduce the cost per lead. So increase the number of sales qualified lead, but increase it in a very cost effective way. And that combination is really key. You could sense that a CFO and CEO had applied pressure on the efficiency of that growth. And some of the jokes, you know, during the, the discussions where, well, yeah, the growth targets haven't changed. It's just the budgets have been cut, right? Which just emphasize that point. So solutions, you know, such as, you know, Six Sense, you know, to just name, you know, the 800-pound gorilla in a space, you know, became all of a sudden less attractive just because of the cost and complexity of deploying that kind of solution versus some of the more modern players like Captivio that are emerging in this market. So it's almost like you need as a CMO to be able to talk to the CFO. So if you've mastered that conversation, that's a good thing. But the bad thing is now they understand your KPIs better. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the benefit of revenue AI, right, it's the benefit and the curse, right, is full transparency on marketing attribution to revenue. Every single touch 
the client is now monitored as a signal and captured, attributed to every single business opportunities from the time you target a client, right, to aware, to engaged, interested, forecasted, and closed. So that transparency is wonderful for a CFO. It's wonderful for a CMO, for that matter, but also requires, you know, a different way of working. It sure does. Can we kind of dig into how a tool like Aptivio, you know, makes a difference in that scenario? You know, what what are we doing with the tool, with the software to improve the efficiency of revenue generation? Why don't we get right into it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, what sets really in that regard Aptivio apart is its ability to combine all the relevant go-to-market signals. In fact, if you go to our website, we have this wonderful picture called the periodic table of sales signals for those of you who like chemistry at school. And it really emphasizes the fact that with AI, more data is better. If you can understand not just what accounts are in market, but also who are the specific people who are interested in that account. Understand the warm intros from, let's say, past customers or peers or partners, and then understand the potential risk that you need to deal with entering that account, right? That 360 understanding of that potential opportunity allows you to be much more accurate at focusing on the right opportunity and much more effective at progressing it, right? So that's really one of the game changer is the ability to have a multi-signal approach, 360 understanding in a single platform versus the very siloed approaches that you have currently in the market, where basically each signal could potentially be purchased from a different vendor, making the complexity of implementation and the cost you know, too high. So being smarter, right, at understanding which account to focus on and how to collaborate with the relevant peers and partners to access that account, right, is the key to what I just described. And then after that, it's the learning, right, the machine learning that kicks in and says with the feedback with your CRM actions, right, where you start understanding better and better which signal is most predictive to finding your next customer, and two, which action is missing, which best practice is missing from the current client journey and sales engagement that you're doing. And so that's how AI becomes the ideal co-pilot for both sales and marketing. As a result, helps you uncover one, uncover more opportunities that are hidden from your current sales radar, sales and marketing radar, and two, helps you convert more, so have a greater win rate by identifying, you know, blind spots in some of the actions you're taking. It sounds like you're integrating like a social graph in your product, right? Absolutely. I mean, the sales is all about connecting the dots. When you talk about signals, what it basically means is you understand what your client is doing and saying. You understand that they're searching for keywords that match your product offering, you understand that they're connecting with a competitor website or a competitor or partner on LinkedIn. So you're getting all this evidence, right? That matches exactly what you sell and who you sell to, right? You're getting that evidence that allows you to behave in a much more proactive fashion, but that's really good old fashioned, you know, connecting the dots, be able to cross-reference evidence about the client is indeed in a buying cycle and then the ability to engage with that knowledge, which today, you know, we often use the word personalization, right? Personalization is key to conversion. We like to call it digital empathy, 
And what we mean by that is nowadays, if you don't show empathy to your client at every touch point, you basically have lost the right to talk to them. We call that earning a right to talk to them. So signals are not just something that helps you predict your next customer. It's also something that helps you have a right personalized conversation because you play back to the client what you just learned. Hey, you've raised money. Hey, you've been researching this topic or you're talking to my partner and you insert yourself in a conversation in a way that shows that you understand them. And that we believe is very binary. If you don't do that, the market today is unforgiving for a one-size-fits-all approach. So that is in many ways profound market shift that we're seeing. So digital empathy, I think that's the first time I've heard that. That's a good one. I'm going to be looking for that term being more widely used. Is it just me or is it something you guys are bringing to market as a thought? It's something that we bring into a thought. It's something we've learned from the world of relationship bankers, right? investment banks, private banks. That's how they talk about it. They talk about client relationships, as uh, you know, showing deep empathy. And they talk about all these digital signals as a way to augment Right, that intelligence that you can have about your clients. So they describe it as digital empathy. We love the term and we decided to bring it to the market at large. Nice. Hey, you look at intent slightly differently. You know, my experience of it is, you know, through like the lens of a Bombora where the taxonomy is pretty, you know, it's pretty straightforward, right? You don't, you don't have a lot of influence over that taxonomy. Am I right in understanding that you're building a slightly different view of what intent actually is? Uh, absolutely. And, and like any, you know, hot technology sector, right, you, you have a lot of information, a lot of conflicting information. So it's frankly quite confusing for CEOs and, and, and CMOs out there. But in short, you know, it's pretty straightforward to understand. You know, there is the one size fits all approach, right? So think about a generic taxonomy that has, you know, a set of predefined buckets, and then you force feed each of your client behavior into one of these buckets. The problem with that approach is that it generates a lot of noise and a lot of false positive at the end because, and I can give you an example, you know, we, we, one of our clients is um, the secret computing, which is a form of encryption, a very advanced encryption for, for financial services. And, you know, and this applies to really any client, right? That you, you all by definition selling a very highly differentiated, right, unique solution in your space. So the encryption bucket, right, in a taxonomy like Bombora will include, you know, MD5 encryption, which is document encryption, with any other form of encryption. So the net result is it's pure noise. I mean, you have no idea what interest the client is expressing by, you know, fitting into that, that bucket. For us, you know, intent can only be calculated and tailored to a client go-to-market in real time. It has to be evidence-driven. You can't just say someone is in a generic category. You have to say, right now, they're searching for, to take my fintech example, holomorphic you know, encryption or secret computing, right? That's what they're doing. And they're physically connecting with a direct competitor of mine, a much larger incumbent on LinkedIn, or they're physically visiting their website. But that's what intent is. It's evidence that if your client or partner of yours was telling you this is happening with a client, you would jump on the opportunity. So that's the same thing with digital signals. They cannot be a mystery black box, which is often the problem of AI in general. It has to be 
evidence-based. And that's really what Aptivio brings to the table is this new generation, you know, dynamic evidence-based signals that represent what we call true intent. That's terrific. And I, and I appreciate the, the deep dive into the topic. You know, it's really interesting. And I think the intent space is everybody's paying a lot of attention to it and having a differentiated offering like yours is certainly worth exploring. I want to I want to talk more generally now, if I may, about some a couple of topics that I think would be of interest to listeners as well. You mentioned that in your in starting up Aptivio, this is a team that knew each other, and I'm just sort of curious if you can talk to the advantage of working with some of the same people in more than one startup, and you know how that played out from beginning to where you are today. Well, I mean, some of the, you know, advantages are probably pretty, pretty obvious. Some are not. You know, I, I would say, you know, one thing, a, a successful startup is rarely the result of an overnight success. It's very often a decade-long journey. Exactly. You know, Andreessen Horowitz has a wonderful say on this. They call it the idea maze, which is a succession of pivot, of trial and error that you do sometimes in the same company, sometimes between companies and projects that you've been involved in. And that's certainly true of me and my co-founder and some of the key funding employees that we've had. And I, I've just explained, you know, this fintech experience that we had that really opened our eyes about how advanced hedge funds and investment banks are about listening and monitoring their clients. They're very sophisticated. And so those experiences are shared, right, are creates a collective domain expertise that is extremely hard to disrupt because it's not just a couple of years of R&D as a Series A company, right, that we've spent. It's really the decade plus long domain expertise that we've built as a team. This being said, you know, the more obvious benefit of having worked together is that we know our strengths and weaknesses. And the definition of a high-performance team is to cover for each other's weaknesses. That's why my tennis partners are always much younger than me. They're, younger. <laughs> They're much faster. <laughs> That's exactly that, yeah. But you know, the, does it help you? Like, for example, I would imagine makes fundraising just a little bit easier if they know the team, the founding team has already had success. I imagine it makes arriving at your important decisions a little easier because so that it can accelerate certain things. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, you know, this is our third company. You know, one was acquired, very successful acquisition. The second, you know, was more of an asset sale, so less successful for, you know, in terms of exit for investors. But this being said, you know, the fact that you have a successful track record, you know, you'll have successes and failures by definition when you take risk, but definitely helps with attracting investors. In fact, we have a number of past investors who invested in Ativio, you know, as a, as a testament of that. Yeah. And, and by the way, to your point about, you know, the overnight success, you know, I, I've never met an overnight success that wasn't about seven or eight years old. So you know, it definitely takes time to build a company into some kind of success. And okay. for first time CEOs, of which there are a lot, you know, we, we interview a lot of them on the podcast. I think you have to have the marathon runners mentality. You know, you can't expect it to be a sprint. Not everybody is a Facebook. So, and even that took some time to really take off. You know, one of the things I wanted to ask you is what's actually working for you guys in demand and lead generation? You know, how are you using your own tool, your own technology, and what else are you doing to help drive revenue at Aptivio? 
So it's a great question. So first of all, I mean, as you can imagine, right, we are our best customers, right? So we use Activio 100%, right, for everything so far. Recommending, so detecting buyer intent at our clients, recommending warm intros, so we leverage our investor and board network to the fullest, right? very systematic real time to we leverage partners. We have a number of go-to-market partners, both on the go-to-market consulting side and even EGEN service providers or partners of ours. We leverage those networks very effectively through Activio as well. So we are the best example, the best case study of our own product. And it's great because that allows us to innovate, allows us to also, especially when we beta release a new feature, you know, to test it right away before we, we roll it out to clients, et cetera. So, so Tivio is a key part in our space, as I'm sure many listeners experience, right? It is incredibly crowded, right? So you have every day, it seems, you know, a lead gen service provider sending you an email asking if you're looking for qualified leads, Right. So whether it's AI powered or human powered, I mean, we all sound the same, right? Hey, do you want qualified leads? So we find that in our space, relationship is critical to establish trust. So the combination of delivering a return on experience. So we're one of the first revenue AI company in the market to have a free trial that allows you to start using a product for free. With It sounds obvious, probably to listeners, but in a world of AI that is so data intensive, it's actually a really hard problem to solve, right? To have a free edition of your product and a very quick onboarding because of all the data processing that takes place to tailor to, to someone's go to market. But we've succeeded to do that. So delivering a return on experience and immediately for free, where you can see opportunities that are already in your pipeline and ones that should be in your pipeline, right, is a wonderful way to highlight the value of our solution to clients and kind of cut through the noise. But second is relationships. I mean, we, we've been very effective leveraging gen partners in particular to go to market because the more traditional kind of SDR-led approach in our space is not effective at all. Yeah, I mean, it's getting harder and harder for SDRs to just cold prospect. I mean, we really need to offer something of high value to get those folks to be able to get through. Right? I agree. Well, this was an awesome, awesome episode. Thank you, Key. I really appreciate it. If folks want to try Aptivio, I guess they can go to the website. So if you could let them know where they can do that and also how to reach you, that'd be great. Absolutely. So, I mean, the website is aptiv.io. And yes, you can get started for free. Just click the free trial sign up button on our website. As far as reaching me, very straightforward, you know, feel free to send me an email, gmounier at aptive.io. So G-M-O-U-N-I-E-R at aptive.io. Perfect. And I think it's a great idea that you're offering an actual usable free trial, a product-led growth motion. I think that's a, for this kind of product, a real differentiator that people can get their hands on it and actually use it without being a paying client. That's awesome. If you want to reach me, if listeners want to reach me, I'm on LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash in slash Ken Lempit or KL at austinlawrence.com. And if you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, please do so wherever podcasts are distributed. And Keith, thank you so much for sharing the time with us today. Of course. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the SaaS Backwards Podcast, brought to you by Austin Lawrence Group. We're a growth marketing agency 
that help SaaS firms reduce churn, accelerate sales, and generate demand. Learn more about us at www.austinlawrence.com. You can email Ken Lempett at kl at austinlawrence.com about any SaaS marketing or customer retention subject. We hope you'll subscribe, and thanks again for listening.